You're listening to the South Metro Ministries podcast. Check us out online at southmetroministries.com. Now, let's join in on worship and the Word. I am going to look at two places with you this morning as I speak to you on the third lesson on this subject that I call Get a Grip. And I want to speak to you on the subject of Get a Grip on Depression. I am going to, in a moment, take you to Psalm 137. So maybe you want to find that and hold it. And then, uh, not too distant from taking you there, I want to take you then to Jeremiah chapter 29. So, these two references we will come to in a moment. And realizing that uh, the subject of depression can be somewhat depressing... I thought I'd give you a little humorous little antidote as we start out. This may be the only joyful part of the lesson, so I'm going to risk it. Uh, it, Somebody sent this to me some time ago, and I loved it, and I kept it in my file, and I thought I'd use it now. The story is told of an elderly woman. An elderly woman had just returned to a home from an evening of church services when she was frightened by an intruder. Uh, She caught the man in the act of robbing her home of its valuables. And when she caught him, she yelled, Stop! Acts 2.38! Which Acts 2.38 is, Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ so that your sins may be forgiven. Well, the burglar stopped in his tracks. The woman calmly called the police, explained what she had done. Well, when the police came... They handcuffed the man to take him in, and the police asked the burglar, Why did you just stand there? All the old lady did was yell a scripture to you. Scripture, replied the burglar. She said she had an axe and two thirty-eights. <laughs> I mean, I know the word of God is powerful, even if the crook don't even understand it. Yeah. Knowing the scripture can save your life. And that's what I hope will happen this morning if you need that. The name Eric Atkinson will be a name that most, no one will recognize. I didn't until I came across this. Eric Atkinson. He was little known outside of his own circle. His life was not one that people would add significance to or recognize significance from. But his death was different. He's remembered for his death. Because you see, Eric Atkinson was the 1,000th person known to have leaped to his death from the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco since the bridge was opened in 1938. 1,000. Suicide is one of the worst possible outcomes of depression. Depression has been called the common cold of emotional suffering. Depression is often a temporary emotional state of extreme sadness, which ranges in intensity from mild to severe. I don't have a clinical definition, but I have one that is practical. and I'll read it. You look on the screen. Depression is a hopelessness that is not consistent with reality. A temporary condition 
an emotional state with exaggerated feelings of sadness. More than discouragement, depression makes negative circumstances overwhelm a person's life. In reading research for this lesson today on get a grip on depression, I discovered that the incidence of depression has more than doubled in the last 50 years in America. There are multiple millions of prescriptions written every year in America for this malady of depression. Almost 20 million Americans suffer from it at any given time and twice that will suffer from it in their lifetime. Those who keep the numbers tell us that women suffer from depressive disorders at twice the rate of men. And looking at who they marry, I don't, anyhow, just, just, don't let me get you depressed. By the year 2010, which is next year, we're told that depression will be the second most common health problem in the United States just after heart disease. Let me give you a little facts here before I take you into the body of the lesson. A Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT, study showed that depression cost the American economy every year over $43.7 billion. $20 billion of that is for treatment and cost. And 27, pardon me, $23.7 billion of it is in lost productivity and absenteeism due to depression from the workplace. If you've never been discouraged or depressed before, keep on living. The devil is an enemy. Depression affects every strata of society, every level of people. The World Presidents Organization comprised of top business executives, estimates that 25% of top-level executives experience depression at some point in their career. Yet 90% of these top executives never seek help. Successful people are often thought to be superhuman without any problems. And since depression is often seen as a weakness instead of a, a, a positive attribute, is seen as a disease, these businessmen and women who suffer depression seldom seek any help. Teenage depression is one of the most common illnesses among adolescents, and teen suicide is among the leading causes of death for that age group. Young people in America who should have a bright future, who have opportunities for education, and opportunities for reaching life's goals and dreams in America, perhaps in better than any other country. Young people battle depression, and many of them attempt suicide in an effort to get rid of depression. Some young people in, in their depression would, would act out with aggressive behavior, while adults, many adults may go into that introvert, kind of close themselves into their own world atmosphere. Many young people will get involved with the wrong crowd, the wrong people. They get involved in drugs and violence and all kinds of other ways in a way to address their pain or depression. What are the symptoms of depression? Well, since depression 
affects one in every sphere of their being, perhaps we should look at it like this. Let, let, let's look at it and how it affects us emotionally. Emotionally, we may feel hopeless, worthless, guilty, angry, anxious, or irritable. Lose motivation. Then intellectually. Intellectually, we think negatively. We, we become pessimistic. Suffer memory loss. Have difficulty concentrating. We grow indecisive and in chronic depression. Some people even entertain thoughts of death or suicide. But there's emotional and then intellectual and then there's physical. When you are discouraged and it evolves into depression, physically we lack energy, feel fatigued and tired, lose interest in pleasurable activities, have significant change in appetite, weight gain or weight loss, and we are unable to accomplish certain tasks. Some people either lose sleep because of depression or they sleep so much in order to escape depression. And then there's this social aspect of how we are affected by depression. Socially, we withdraw and isolate, or we become overly dependent on others. And then there's spiritually. Spiritually, we feel estranged and cut off from God. When I think about depression, I, I must confess that, that there are certain people in the scripture who we consider heroes of faith, and we should because they are. But when, when you study their lives, they dealt with depression. Moses, Job, Elijah, Jonah, the psalmist David, Jeremiah the prophet, and others. When you read about life struggles and pressures, you'll find that several of these men even asked God to kill them because they couldn't take it anymore. Much of the Psalms written by the Psalmist David, when you read the Psalms, you'll find that David in the Psalms oftentimes will express his bouts with the malady of depression. No one is exempt. Someone has said that there are three experiences in the Christian life. Experience number one is the mountaintop experience. The mountaintop experience means that we, we, we experience times of great blessings and victories and hallelujahs. Then in the Christian life, there's a second experience known as ordinary days. Ordinary days are filled with routine living, paying the bills, going to work, washing the dishes, folding the clothes, taking care of the family, taking care of routine living. Then the third experience of the Christian life can be known as dark days of discouragement and depression. The question then is, why why do people become depressed? And, and again, here are just some symptoms that manifest itself in depression. Why do people become depressed? It's often the result of a body chemistry imbalance caused by trauma of some kind. Depression can come on as a result of illness, hormonal changes, substance abuse, lack, even the very lack of sunlight. Do you know that when you get into the winter season and all and the sun doesn't shine for three or four days, you can feel pretty bad. The lack of some other causes. People lose their job. They suffer the death of a loved one. People were made promises and it never was fulfilled. I mean, they go through divorce. They go through abandonment. They go through, they go to the doctor and they get bad news. And there are a number of things that can, can cause somebody to go from discouragement into depression. Then it, another question is, well, how do we escape depression? 
Well, certainly we know that medication helps to stabilize people with severe chronic depression. People who have chemical imbalance, sometimes medicine can help that. Yet with or without medication, I want you to get this, with or without medication, attitude change is a must in overcoming depression. You heard me. A study at the University of Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, reveals how what is known as cognitive therapy can be as effective as an antidepressant medication when it comes to treating depression. Let me tell you this. Cognitive therapy involves helping a person unlearn negative thinking patterns and beliefs and replace them with more constructive ideas. I like that. That's good. But, but as I, I get into dealing with this subject, I, I must tell you, and if you take notes, remember this. We need a mindset of hope inspired by the promises of God to get out of discouragement and depression. We, we need a mindset, meaning an attitude change, an attitude adjustment, a mindset of hope embedded in the promises of God. We need to realize what Jesus said about all of our problems. Matthew nineteen twenty six on the screen. With men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Can you put your hands together and claim that word from the Lord? I want you to get this too. Motivation and hope can make a difference. Two things here. Motivation and hope will make a difference. Kind of like the story I read this week about a man who was walking home one night, taking a shortcut through the graveyard. It was very dark. So he didn't see the newly dug grave that lay in his path. Yes, he fell in headlong. When he finally regained his senses, he tried to crawl out of the grave, but the ground was wet and slippery. So finally he gave up and he sat in the corner of the grave. He sat there thinking that surely somebody will come at the morning's light and help me out of this grave. So he just fell asleep. About an hour later, however, another man came walking down through the cemetery and he too fell into the grave. Well, he tried to climb out, but he couldn't get out. However, all the noise that he was making in an attempt to get out of the grave woke the first man up who had been sleeping in the corner. Realizing what's going on, the first man said to the second man, Hey, hey, you can't get out of here. I've already tried. <laughs> Guess what? Guess what? Get out. He got out, you see, because hearing that voice coming from the grave highly motivated him. <laughs> Motivation and hope can take you a long ways. The scriptures I have for you this morning, first reference is Psalm 137, please. This is an ancient song about depression that was sung by the Israelites when they were in captivity in Babylon, which is today's Iraq. Iraq today was ancient Babylon. This song about depression reveals powerful truths about the causes of depression, the symptoms of depression, and how one can be cured. And I'll read the first four verses and you look in your scriptures on the screen. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hung our harps upon the willows in the midst of it. For there 
Those who carried us away captive asked of us a song, and those who plundered us requested mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? Now keep your Bibles open, because I won't have all of it on the screen, but I want, I want to break this down and show you what's taking place with this issue of depression. They said, when we, the enemies, King Nebuchadnezzar's troops, and all the mighty warriors of the Babylonian Empire, invaded Israel... You think modern day Israel is where it is and modern day Iraq where it is and you know it's a, it's a good distance. But when Babylonian military personnel came and captured our city, they carted off thousands and thousands of we Israelites to a strange land, strange language, strange culture, strange food and strange God. And when we got there, we sat down. Now, when depression strikes, we often sit down. Now, it's okay when you're having a bad day or you're discouraged or you're going through a spell to sit down for a minute. Catch your breath. Count to a ten. And if you're really mad, count to a hundred. Sit down for a minute. Get your bearings. Compose your demeanor. But if you keep sitting down, you're going to start forgetting your blessings and rehearsing your curses. Somebody hear me? If you sit down in your Babylon too long, you're going to become fatigued and tired and hopeless. You see... uh, I didn't say in the first service, but I'll say it now. There are certain timing that, that depression sets on. So, sometimes depression sets on when you're just tired. Fatigue. Can I get an amen? amen? You need to recognize the timing of depression when you're fatigued. But not only that, recognize this. Sometimes depression comes on when you're frustrated. Yeah, frustrated. Okay? Every phone call you make, to, when they say call 24 hours around the clock, we'll be here. Every phone call you get is in the recording. Push one, push two, push five, push a million. That's frustrates. Depression comes on when you're fatigued, frustrated. You know what else depression comes on? When you've failed at something you've tried to do. So depression comes on not only at failure, but depression comes on at fear. You see, the, the x-ray comes back and it says there's a spot on the lung. We fear it might be malignant. Depression, depression comes on when, 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 there's a, when, when there's a call from some, uh, some place or person that no, normally don't call that indicates that there's a problem and, and, you, and you, you must come by the office or call us back or whatever at a certain time. And between the time you make the return call or you go to the office, fear comes in and discouragement depression begins to set in. Am I right? And you know, so what happens? When that happens, then, then we, we kind of sit down on God, on, on everything. But in order to counter that, we need to... Stand up. Hear me, church. When you, in order to get a grip on depression and discouragement, you function whether you feel like it or not. Yes, amen. Some days you go into work and you don't feel like it. You feel depressed. But you go to work depressed anyhow, saying to God, maybe by the time I'm driving home, God would have visited me and I'll be okay. Can I get an amen? 
You, you go to church whether you feel like it or not. You go to church depressed. And you say to God, maybe by the time we finish, that little Indian will tell me a joke and I'll be happy. You're trying to get an education. You've enrolled in, in night classes or you've enrolled in, in perhaps say online classes or, or, or some kind of, you want to get an education. You want to get a higher pay uh, bracket. You want to move a higher level of med- management. You know, it takes a little extra effort and you may feel depressed, but you function whether you feel like it or not. Because if you elect to sit down by your sorrows and sit down in your pain, it only amplifies your sorrow and your pain. There's a wonderful story in, in, in 2 Kings chapter 7 verses 1 through 9 that I won't take you to to read, but let me highlight for you. It's a story about four lepers. Four lepers who was outside the gate of the city of Samaria when the city was being besieged, attacked by the Armenian armies. Okay. Now, what you need to know about lepers is that lepers back then were outcast of society. What you need to know about lepers were that lepers, uh, they suffered this disease that causes their flesh and their body parts to waste away. Leprosy was the kind of disease that, that it comes on so and you lose all your appendages. Your fingers fall off, your ear fall off, your nose fall off, your toes fall off, and then your other parts. And, and it's, very dis, uh, it's very uncomfortable and very unsightly and smells bad. And so therefore lepers used to have to live in leper colonies. This is long about 850 B.C., this many years ago, okay? And what happened is the Bible says King Ben-Hadad had surrounded, his troops had surrounded the city of Samaria and the people of God. And King Ben-Hadad was waiting to starve them out and to cause them to be short of food and water and hope and become discouraged and depressed. And pretty much so they would cave in and King Ben-Hadad would take over the whole city of Samaria. But there were four lepers outside the gate. Again, they were outside the gate of the city because they were not allowed in. And, and they, they got to thinking. They decided to take some action. They realized that they won't let us in the city because we're outcasts. And if we, if we got in the city, there's no food there. So we're going to die. You know what the best thing we ought to do, guys? Four guys, lepers. Why? They asked themselves this question. Why sit we here until we die? Maybe if we get up with all the energy we can, we march out to the Syrian army and all their tents and canopies and all their all the stuff they got out there. Maybe before we die, they know we're lepers, but they'll give us some scraps or some crumbs. At least we'll die with something in our belly. But to just sit here and die is to simply say we give up. We're just not going to sit here. Now, now, I want you to get this, somebody. That is where faith begins to operate when we decide to take action. Did you hear me? Faith is more than believing something. It is acting on what God has promised you and what you believe. Say amen. We can think and talk about doing something all the time. But it is when we take action that we begin to see results. When these four leprous men got up and took action, God got involved in the equation. You see, sometimes we forget that miracles tend to be a combination of God and us working together. We still have to do something in order to get a help. Oh, hear me, somebody. Too many of us are waiting for UPS to bring us the miracle we need. 
Too many of us waiting for FedEx to come by the house, and we ain't even ordered anything, but we hoping we'll get our miracle in. It's like the old guy waiting for, goes to the seashore and waiting for his ship to come in, and he ain't send no ship out. Preach, man, I think I am. Can you tell I'm not depressed? But if I keep looking at some of you, I can work it up. Anyhow, just move right on. The Bible says faith without works is dead. If we just sit down in our Babylon and sing, nobody knows the troubles I see. Nobody knows my, you got your song. You're looking at me like you don't sing your song. I got tears in my ears from laying on my back crying all over you. You ever heard the other one? Here's a quarter. Call someone who cares. Let me tell you about that song. It takes more than a quarter to call anybody that cares. And usually when you call them, their line's busy and you can't get them. Good preaching, little man. Thank you for encouraging me. Sitting around waiting. Is somebody going to put pixie dust on us? Get up! Get a grip! Get a life! You may have to make yourself go, but God has never made a promise that He cannot fulfill. If God be for you, I don't care if hell's against you. If God is for you, who can be against you? Somebody ought to give Him another clap of praise. How worse can you be than four leprous men? Can you imagine these four men? They can't, ain't a one of them strong enough to help themselves. But they decided, we don't see here no more. If I can grab three of you guys, I'd show you, but let me just show you in your mind. Just think about four of us. All of us got leprosy. We smell bad, look bad. Some ain't got no ear, toes. Some ain't got no foot. So we got to lock arms together. Four of them. They can't go alone. They lock arms together and they lock shoulders together and they hobble and wobble and stumble. But they start walking. They take action. We don't sit here until we die. And the Bible says that God amplified their footsteps in the ears of the enemies. God not only amplified it, but he multiplied it. Because as these hobbling, fumbling, almost falling down, smelly, stinking appearance, leprous man acted in faith, the Armenian said, it sounds like the Israelites have hired the Hittites. And the Egyptians to come help them fight against us. And the Armenians didn't even fold up their tent. Didn't even take their coats. They had loot and bounty from other battles in chest and war, uh, war uh, kinds of compartments. They left their horses. They left their food. They left their clothes. They left their loot and everything because God made four fumbling men's footsteps sound like a multitude of chariots and horses and armor and iron. It's amazing when you get up and you say, I'm not going to sit here until I die. What it will sound like in the ears of the devil and his helpers. Somebody give a Lord another praise just just a monitor look at your neighbor and say get up not right now though let me finish this word you know what happens these leprous guys they go in all the soldiers ran off they go into tent after tent. They eat food. They take gold. They take silver. They take, they take garments. They bury it in the ground these four lepers guys they had them a home come in a hold down 
And then they said, you know what, we're doing the wrong thing here. God spared our lives. We need to go back and tell the city. Tell them, get up too. Get up. And the Bible says that the whole city, when they came in, there were groceries being sold cheaper than it ever been. Everybody had food. Everybody had safety. Everybody had favor. Because it's amazing what happens when you let your faith walk itself out by actions. Thank you, Jesus. I, I read this week of a woman here in Atlanta. She was suffering with a Christian woman. Frequent bouts of depression. And it seemed like every bout beyond the previous one intensified. And, and she thought to herself, if I could take a short-term mission trip, maybe I can get my mind off of my depression and my worries. And she began to pray, Lord, show her where she should go. And the Holy Spirit said to her in a prayer, right here in Atlanta is a mission field. You don't have to take a trip right here in Atlanta. And, and the Lord impressed her to go to the local hospital. And he gave her a heart. She was concerned about people suffering with AIDS. So she went to the AIDS unit at the local hospital and started visiting the patients. She encouraged them. Day after day, she read the Bible to them. She prayed for them. And she was so spiritually revived that she went back again and again. She had been renewed as she learned to minister to patients who she described as being open to love and happy to receive a new relationship with God. It's amazing when you refuse to sit down and just soak and sour. Look at what else they did. The Bible says about these captives in Babylon, we wept when we remembered Zion. They are hundreds of miles away from their land. They are now prisoners of war or trophies of war. Sometimes depression is brought on by we living in the past. Help me hear somebody. This is especially true as we grow older and we pass through life stages, leaving some things behind. Those of us who get in the middle, midlife and beyond, we start thinking about our youth and how energetic we was. As I go out of our kitchen into a hallway before we approach the carport uh, at our home, Valerie has uh, a number of pictures on both sides of the walls of that hallway. But she has pictures of us, she and I, when we were married on uh, December 22nd, 31 years ago. Now, you should have seen me then. <laughs> yes, you should. I should have brought a picture of that. You thought you saw little Lord Fonkleroy. <laughs> you ain't see. I'm talking about hair, thick hair, brothers and sisters. Not one or two right here and there. I knew why my daughters wanted to marry a man like me when they saw my pictures, but they had to settle for whatever they could get. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Oh, JC, I didn't see you in this service. My point being that when we get older and we lose, don't you, all of you laughing, some of you are laughing at bought teeth. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You can get depressed, can't you? Thinking about what you used to be. The good old days. Well, you ought to sit down and thank God for the good old days for just a few minutes, but you need to move on. Because you ain't got those days no more. Matter of fact, <laughs> uh, these are the best days you are ever going to have right here. You know why these are the best days you're ever going to have? Because these are the only days you are having. 
So every once in a while, get out the picture book, look at him, laugh, cry, do whatever, but get on with living. Because here, here were the people of God. They were hundreds and hundreds of miles away from their homeland. A different land, different food, different culture, different language, different church, different temple. And they wept when they remembered. But the Lord, by His wonderful care for these people, informed them that even though they're in a strange land in Babylon, that He's not finished with them yet. The Lord informed them that the past glory they enjoyed wasn't the end of the glory that was for them. As a matter of fact, that takes me now to Jeremiah 29. Because here, while they were in captivity, God spoke to the prophet Jeremiah, who was still in Jerusalem. Everybody still with me? Say amen. The military leaders and governors of the Babylonian king allowed Jeremiah to stay back in Jerusalem. And took all the craftsmen and the elite and the... People who are highly educated, as well as thousands of others to be servants of the king of Babylon. And Jeremiah stayed home because God allowed it. And the Bible says that Jeremiah wrote a letter from God. God dictated a letter. Jeremiah wrote it down. And God said to Jeremiah, send a letter to all the people in captivity. And tell them, I'm not finished with them yet. Here's what God's saying to some of you this morning. Some of you are in your Babylon right now. You are in a Babylon of divorce or separation. You are in a Babylon of joblessness. You are in a Babylon of grief and pain. You are in a Babylon of family division and strife. Some of you may be in a, in a Babylon of uh, drug addiction or alcohol that wouldn't l- release its grip from you. Some of you may be in a Babylon of uh, of financial despair. And you know what I'm talking about. I'm just saying to you that God is saying he wrote a letter to you. There's 66 books of them. Can I get an amen? And he says, even in your Babylon, I have a plan for you. What's the plan? Here it is, Jeremiah 29 and 4. Thus says the Lord, the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel... To all who were carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and dwell in them, plant gardens and eat their fruit, take wives and beget sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands so that they may bear sons and daughters, that they may be increased there and not diminish. And seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive. And pray to the Lord for it. For in its peace, you're going to have peace. Oh, somebody say praise the Lord. I want to show you some practical steps right here. And I'm going to try to not be too lengthy here. But I want to give you some practical steps of getting out of depression. Are you ready? Say amen. Just from this text. Keep your Bible open here. First thing to do is to build a new dream. If your dream has been shattered in the Babylon you're in, dream a new dream. God still has a plan for your life. Say amen. Amen. The Israelites were now in Babylon. They had to learn how to build a new life while in exile. 
All their moaning and groaning over the loss of Jerusalem wouldn't bring Jerusalem back. Babylon was now their home and they had to get used to it. And here's what you and I need to understand. It won't be on the screen, but you might need to write it down. Stop surviving and start thriving. That phase is gone and over. Build a new dream. He is the God of yesterday, today, and forever. You didn't ask for it. You didn't want it. You still can't understand God's plan. But God is the giver of dreams. And if that one has faded away, then ask God to give you a new dream. Because God didn't just place you here to suck up air and eat food and go to work and pay bills and then to die. God has a plan for your life that includes joy and peace and power and salvation. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Dream a new dream. Here's something else. Settle down. Settle down right where you are. You got to somehow end the cycle of discontent and restlessness. Even if you are in your Babylon, settle down and let God bless you there. The Lord told the Jews, build houses, plant vineyards, marry your sons and daughters, settle down. You know what was wrong with Christianity in America and just the culture as a whole is that we're running here and there and yonder and up and down and left and right and back and front trying to find happiness. When all of the happiness we need is found in Jesus, whether you are suffering or whether you are prospering. Amen, amen. Yeah. People can't stay in relationships. Some people change boyfriend and girlfriends as often as they change their hair color. You know, I ain't talking about me. (laughs) Change churches. I'm talking now. Can't settle down anywhere. Looking for some high everywhere they go. Looking for a world without pain. The world has pain. The world is like Babylon. But God says, I got a plan for you in the middle of the pain. Settle down. Settle down in reading the Bible and read it consistently. Can I get an amen here? Settle down in a prayer life. Don't just pray when you have an emergency. Build a relationship with God. Somebody say amen. Settle down in a marriage. Because if you made a covenant and a commitment to God, even if your spouse is not making it, pray anyhow. Serve God anyhow. Be a good wife. Be a good husband. Settle down in your prayer life and hand it over to God. Discontentment keeps us from settling down and enjoying life. Here's something else the Lord says about our Babylon and depression. Enjoy the fruits of your labor. Yeah. This may not be the job you are praying that you will end up with and have the most money and the best feeling about, but this is the job you have right now. So go ahead and earn a good living and get the best pay you can and go ahead and enjoy the environment you're working in until God, when He trusts you with this environment and you do a good job, He'll elevate you to another environment. Can I get an amen? 
Settle down and enjoy the fruits of your labor. You may not be living in the finest home you hope to live in or have the best car you hope to have, but that's what you have right now. Trust God, serve God, tithe, give your offerings, honor God. And when you give God out of the fruit of your labor, God will see to it that you have fruit more than you can harvest. Somebody say amen. Yeah. Some of us are waiting for pie in the sky by and by and it will never come until we learn to trust God where we are right now. And the Bible says to these in captivity, focus on your family. Yes, we need to understand that we have limited time in this world. And there are some things we need to focus on that we'll have, never have another chance at. There are some things we need to focus on that money cannot be tied to it and put a value on it. Can I get another amen here? The Lord told them, focus on your family, marry your sons, marry your daughters, let them have children, let the number increase, love your family, teach them the way of God. Say praise the Lord, church. You know, I mean, I'm trying to tell you that I'm preaching this sermon, but it is timely because we're entering into Thanksgiving and into Christmas. And you ask the psychiatrists and psychologists, you ask the pastors, what's the most depressing time of the year for people and family? And they'll tell you Christmas and Thanksgiving. And and I know this year, as Pastor Jeff suggested in his prayer, that there may be an empty chair at the dinner table because somebody is going to be with the Lord since the last Thanksgiving. Take a moment, set the chair aside, honor that person for a few minutes, but don't forget the ten other people around the table. You ought to say amen. Take a moment and grieve the passing of someone or grieve the loss of a job or grieve the fact that you might have to have had some certain things take place in your life that you didn't want to. Take a moment, but then take the rest of the moment and count your blessings and appreciate your family. It may not be the biggest spread or the biggest meal, but it is God's blessings. And if you're faithful in the little things, God will bless you with the bigger things. Let me see if I can wrap it up by telling you this. Seek peace and prosperity for others. The Lord told the captives in Babylon, he said, pray for Babylon. You've got to be kidding, God. You want me to pray for the people who's holding me captive and making my life miserable and making us slaves? God says, pray for the peace of Babylon. Because if Babylon has peace, you're going to have peace. I feel a whoop glory coming on this. I know you all got, I know you got Places to go and things to do. But right now I feel the Lord want me to tell you. That if you pray for peace in your family. You'll have peace. If you pray for peace to come on your boss. You'll have peace. If you pray for peace to come on your school teacher. Or your coach. You'll have peace. You see I want to tell you something that I've discovered. In my living here in America. I have discovered. That when we hang our harps on the willow. We lose our joy. These people who came to Babylon, their their, their musical instruments, they figured, we are depressed, we are hurting. And they said, when we came here, we hung our harps on the willow. Meaning we lost our praise. That's what depression will do. Somebody give me a witness here. You, You notice the willow tree? You've seen the willow tree, haven't you? The willow tree droops downward. It points to the earth. The regular trees are, are, are getting the sunlight of the, of the heavens and their, their branches are shooting up. And some of you in your pain, in your Babylon, in your depression, God didn't answer the prayer on time or just like you wanted him to. You have hung your harp, your joy, your praise, your worship to God on the willow tree and say, I'm never going to do that again because I guess this is the way my life's going to be. Wrong. The Bible says... 
that they asked the question, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Their captors, the Babylonians said, hey, what's your song now? When we came to your city in Jerusalem to take you, you were bragging and singing and playing on your instrument about God and you were happy and you thought that, that, that you all would defeat us and now we've conquered you. How about singing one of them songs now? How many know the devil will knock you down and keep you down if he can? How many know the devil will even aggravate you when you're down? You try to put his, his heel on your head. Where's your song now, Mr. Matura? You can shout on Sunday morning when you've got a church full of people and you can shout when the choir is singing and you can shout when everything's going good. But what about when you get a bad news or when something goes wrong or there's an accident or there's a misunderstanding? What, what are you going to do then? What about singing now? How can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Let me tell you something. I'm hurrying. America is a strange land. It's hard to sing the Lord's song in this land. I'm telling you out of personal experience. I came to this country when I was 11 years old in 1968. And you know, you need to know, do the math, that we are a different country than when I came here. When I came here, there were still prayers in the school. When I came here, the Ten Commandments were still on the wall. When I came here, we called them Christmas trees and not holiday trees. Preach on, little man. When I came here, listen to me, when I came here, we still honored this country and we didn't burn the flag. When I came here, we respected the military. When, when I came here, when, when I came here, principals were honored and coaches were honored and judges were called judges and police officers were not called pigs. Help me preach here, somebody. This is a strange land. How can we sing the Lord's song on, on November, this November 22nd, 2009 in this strange land? There's sexual perversion all around us. This is a strange land. There's pornography all around us. This is a strange land. There's homosexuality and lesbianism paraded all over the government and all over Hollywood in this strange land. How can I sing the Lord's song in a strange I'll tell you how. I'll tell you how. Because I'm not singing to the Republicans or the Democrats or the Independents. It's going to be a Christmas tree at my house. I don't care if you call it a holiday tree someplace else. I will fear the Bible. I will read the Word of God. I will honor God. Even if I'm a minority, it may be a strange land. But my God is not a stranger to me. And I'm not a stranger to God. I am going to praise God anyhow and thank Him. Everybody stand up. Everybody stand up. Stand up. Everybody put your hands together. Come on. Come on and praise Him. Yes. 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 Come on and praise Him, somebody. No, devil. You're not going to steal my song. I'm not near ready to sit down by a willow tree and hang up my harp and wait to die. I'm not near ready to go to a bridge and jump off or steer my car off the road. I'm just about ready to put the devil under my feet and the praises of God out of my mouth. Give me the last slide. I'm going to tell you something. It's time you today say, God, I'm not going to let the devil mess up my Thanksgiving and my Christmas. And I'm not going to let him use me to mess up somebody else's. Give me a witness here, somebody. Because the mercies of God are new every morning. How are you going to make it today? Just like you made it yesterday. Get up in the morning and the Bible says, Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. 
How many know the devil would kill us already if he could? But through the Lord's mercies, we are not because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And some of you this morning, you need to not you need to quit sitting down. You, you need to stand up. Some of you this morning need to settle down. I do too. Those little pink pills and little purple pills that the psychiatrists and psychologists give may help a little bit. But there is a great physician in this house who wants to push Come on and That marriage may be done and over. And you're going to have to say, God, I'm going to move on now. But if it ain't done and over, I'm not going to be bitter and hateful. I'm going to still be a good wife, a good husband, and I'm going to turn them over to God. That person in jail or prison who, who has wrecked your life, you need to leave it alone, forgive by the power of God, and let him be the one who gives vengeance and justice. So without eyes closed, and without, no, don't even have to close your eyes, just look at me. Don't even close your eyes. No, I'm, I'm looking at, I, I'm going to let the devil know by our boldness that we're not about to sit by no willow tree. If you have been troubled with depression or discouragement and you're ready to leave that where it is and you are ready to dream again if you are sick and tired of being sick and tired you say pastor I'm born again I love God and I'm a Christian and I don't have to live like this I refuse to leave from where you are and come in Jesus name and we're going to praise him together come from all over the church Come on, everybody can. When you come, raise up your hands. Come on, keep coming. Come on. Come for your son. Come for your daughter. Come for your marriage. Come for your health. Come for your finances. Come on. Just put it on the screen if you can. Everybody. Keep coming. Keep coming. We got room. Raise your hands with me in the house and in the altar. you're in for just a moment because this is his word for your healing I, I want to challenge you like I did the first service to between now and Sunday next read Psalm 103 
I want to even give you a greater uh, challenge. It may not be a challenge, an opportunity. Perhaps before the turkey is carved or the ham is served this Thanksgiving, maybe you would read a portion of Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. What are these benefits? Who forgives all my iniquities, say amen. Amen. Who heals my diseases. Amen. Who redeems your life from destruction, say amen. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. I am asking you in this altar and in this church not to ask God for one thing, but to thank Him for everything. Raise up your hands. Praise the Lord. Begin to list those things. Call it out loud from your mouth all over the church. Thank Him right now. Itemize. List some stuff. Everybody that has breath, please praise God. If you're breathing, that means you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, you woke me up this morning. I thank you, God. You put seeing in my eyes, and I thank you, God. You put smelling in my nose and taste in my tongue. Come on, and I thank you, God. You give me legs to walk with, hands to reach out and touch with, and I thank you. Come on, thank him, thank him. Lord, I thank you for, oh, my Lord, for my wife. And those of you, thank you for your husband. Come on, come on, call it out loud. Oh, God, I may not be the most wealthy person, but I got a job, I got a car, I got a house. Come on. Lord, I may be renting, but I still have a place. My Lord, I'm not six feet under today. I'm not in intensive care. Can you praise Him? I'm not in a jailhouse. I'm not in a nursing home. I am in the house of God. Come on, praise Him. Oh, my Lord, the devil meant to kill me before now, but God is helping me in my Babylon. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, church. Father, I bless your name. I'm not going to sit by and sulk. I'm not going to play old tunes that make me cry. I'm not going to find somebody to complain to. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, put your hands together right now. Come on, put your hands together. Praise the Lord. Somebody shout, hallelujah. Somebody shout, praise the Lord. Say, thank you, Jesus. Uh, oh, yes. You know, you, you, you and I, we control, we control our joy level. Did you hear me? We control our happiness level. <laughs> we control whether the devil controls us or not. And you need to tell the devil today, I'm not going home to Babylon. I'm in Zion. By the grace of God, I am blessed. <laughs> I, I'm just kind of fishing right now. I just think somebody ain't got it just yet. Wave your hands to the Lord. Come on, wave your hands and shout your praises for about 10 seconds. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, God, I am going to praise my way to joy. It may look foolish to somebody else, but I'm not trying to impress somebody else. I'm giving you the glory. 
I'm not here about decorum. I'm not here about looking fancy or sophisticated. You have brought me out of darkness into light. You have brought me from death to life. And I just want to praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Sing it again. Give thanks. Give thanks.